Thanks for being here on Breitbart News Daily. We talked with Bill O'Reilly today. We'll play that interview coming up in just a little bit. But first, uh, as of this morning, this was all very breaking news about Kevin McCarthy getting ousted. You know, like I never ever hear anyone use that word, ousted. But uh, it's all I remember hearing now, ousted. Uh, so we laid out the, the two main camps and then provided some nuance in between and then took a ton of phone calls. So where do you lie on this issue? Here it is. What happened yesterday? Like, well, geez, Slater, what happened yesterday? Oh, I had a really busy day at work, and I just couldn't pay attention to the news last night. Well, glad you're here. A thing happened yesterday. As, as Jordan Schachtel said, Gates made good on what he said he was going to do. So the people of D.C. are, of course, shocked and appalled by this kind of behavior. So, someone responded, Bloomberg having a tantrum right now, counting how many times they can say hard right, extremist, and far right in a single segment. So they kicked out the Speaker of the House. Here's the background just so we're all on the same page, and then I cannot wait to take your phone calls. So the Congress people elect the Speaker of the House. So we, the people, send congressmen to as we send 435 of them to dc they then get together choose the speaker of the house that's the guy in charge and it's always that the republicans are the majority then there's a republican speaker of the house if the democrats are a majority then nancy pelosi's the speaker of the house and republicans barely have the majority it's one of the smallest ever majority so the speaker is a republican but well we'll get to that matt gates and you remember back in January, there was this whole back and forth that took 14 votes for the Republicans, essentially, to pick their leader. It took 14 tries because there was a, a, a group of Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, most of the Freedom Caucus, who said, uh, all right, McCarthy, if you want this job, then here's what we want. And McCarthy said, no, no, I can't do that. And the Freedom Caucus people said, okay, fine, then we're not going to vote for you for speaker. So he never got to the 218 votes that it needed in order to become the speaker because all the Democrats voted against McCarthy. And enough of the Republicans said, nope. So if McCarthy wanted to be the speaker, he had to keep giving out all these concessions. Oh, I promise we'll do this. I promise I'll do this. I promise the speaker I'll do this and I'll do this other thing. And one of the concessions was that if we've, I'll vote for you. I'll vote for you to be speaker. But to keep you accountable... All it takes is, is one person to put up to a vote to oust you as speaker. One person. So I, Matt Gates from Florida, I can put to a vote to kick you out of your job. And all I'll need to get are all the Democrats to support me and three other Republicans. <laughs> me and three other people who want you gone and we'll vote for you and you'll be out. You're fired. So you better... Do what we say. And McCarthy said, deal, I'll take it. And that's what Matt Gates did yesterday. And I don't know, and we can talk about this later, I don't know if Matt Gates 
knew it was going to work or if it was just intended to be a shot across the bow for the next uh, continuing resolution, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if Matt Gates thought it would. I don't know, but it did. So he's gone. Does that uh, intro make sense? Are we all on the same page with where we're at right now? So all Gates needed to do to get rid of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House was to get all the Democrats on board. And the Democrats are loving this. I imagine They're, they all voted to remove Speaker McCarthy. And it wasn't because he, was, he wasn't conservative enough. Right? Like the Democrats voted to get rid of McCarthy and it wasn't because uh, he's, he's spending too much. So the Democrats voted to get rid of McCarthy because they love the chaos of this. They, they clearly think this is good for them to have the Republicans in chaos. And that's a word we'll get to in a minute here. Chaos. So it took all the Democrats and only four Republicans. Gates got eight of them. So that's it. McCarthy's gone. And then, so I heard that yesterday. I was like, oh, okay. That's something. But they'll just figure it out. Like he'll say, okay, guys, uh, vote for me again and I'll do this or whatever. Uh, but he, no, he's like, I'm out. I'm done. Breaking news tonight. We can confirm officially that Speaker Kevin McCarthy, now former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, will not run for Speaker again. He is about to make that announcement in a closed GOP meeting that started about 10 minutes ago. But again, Kevin McCarthy ousted today in this vote, first time ever in the history of the country that happened. He will not run for Speaker again. Wow. So that, that to me was the two. Oh, geez. That, this is something. And I look forward to finding out why he didn't want to run again. I don't know. Maybe he hated the job. I don't know if he hated being speaker. If we thought that this was just un, unworkable, like there's, there's no way he could give enough concessions to the far right extremists in order to ever keep his job or be effective at his job in his eye. I don't know. I don't know. I look forward to finding out why. So what we have right now, he's gone. So what we have right now is a true government shutdown. This is a real actual Real-life government shutdown. Forget about, you know, we always hear the media talk about a government shutdown where uh, they can't come to agreement on a spending bill. So, oh, it's a shutdown. Then they close the national parks and you can't go to the, uh, you can't go to Yosemite and uh, the National Monument or the Washington Monument's closed. Oh, and uh, government employees can't feed their families. And then we end up funding the government within two weeks and everyone gets their paycheck just as they normally would have anyway. And heaven forbid if the shutdown lasts longer than two weeks and then everyone just gets their back pay on the next paycheck and everyone's funded just the same as our... That's not a government shutdown. That's theater. This is a government shutdown. There's no Speaker of the House. So no business can happen. No bills can be put forward. No, I, I don't know if even all the impeachment inquiry stuff can happen now either. I, I don't know if the Speaker needs to exist in order for committee business to take to take place. I, no, I don't know. No one knows. It's unprecedented. It's never happened. <laughs> there's never been no speaker before. There is a period where there's no speaker, but that's in between Congresses. So after an election, before the next Congress, and, and the rules have it in order that there's a clerk, there's the House clerk who runs the show while that process is taking place. But then the clerk hands it over to the speaker and that's it. So there's nothing in the rules about the clerk taking power again. So this actually, it was after 9-11, the House created some rules in case like bin Laden killed the speaker 
and no, and truly, and, and and no one knew like, well, who's speaker now? What do we do? So they created this like thing, like the temporary speaker or whatever. It's never been done before. So no one knows what <laughs> what's going on. All right, so that's the background. So what do we do with this? There's two schools of thought out there that I see that I will lay out, present, and then please, if I'm missing a third, you can decide which of those two you're on. If I'm missing a third or a fourth, let me know. Surely I am. So one school of thought is, if not now, then when? At what point will the speaker of the Republican Party be different than the Democrats? At what point will the Speaker of the Republican Party be truly different than Nancy Pelosi? At what point will the leader of the Republican Party, the Speaker of the House, stop spending bills? Let's just focus on spending bills. We can talk about Ukraine, which is kind of a spending bill too, but we can talk about Ukraine. We can talk about all these different specific things. But let's just focus on spending as a metaphor for all of it. When will we stop spending so much money? The Republicans always cave. And you know, you know they will again. And the next, the next, like, They'll, they'll always do it. They'll always cave with the Democrats. Always. They always have. They always will. We're at $33 trillion in U.S. debt. By the way, the interest in the debt is going up too. So we're spending so, tons and tons, so much of our government is just interest on the debt. It's crazy. So do we stop being Democrats at $33 trillion? No, no, that's not enough. We must keep funding. We must keep spending all this money. Okay. All right. Uh, $35 trillion? When do we stop? $40 trillion? Okay, all right, yeah, 45 trillion. That's when ousting the speaker is no longer an extreme measure. By the way, I don't like the word oust. But I don't know what else to use right now. <laughs> oust. I'll keep using it until I can until I hear a better word. So, but anyway, but that okay, at 45 trillion in debt, that's when this is no longer extreme. That's when this extreme thing becomes very sensible. And very understandable. Right now, it's extreme. Thirty-three trillion, very extreme. Forty-five trillion, very sensible and moderate and and good and normal. You know what I mean? Like so, Matt Gates says it's thirty-three trillion. Matt Gates. Oh, we could talk about the the art of bomb throwing a little later as well. Uh, Matt Gates says thirty-three trillion dollars is that that's that's enough. So we're sending the message. This is Matt Gates. We're sending the message that whoever wants this job now better be different. And yes, the process will be ugly. Everyone's in a tizzy about the chaos. Oh, the chaos. Oh, we can't have chaos. Oh, the chaos. Mm, so much chaos. I hate the chaos. Oh, the chaos is so unnerving. The chaos. Oh. Oh, the chaos. I can't take the chaos. Where's my mommy? I need the chaos. Too much chaos. Well, you know what? The well-ordered machine, (laughs) the well-oiled machine that has been the Congress hasn't been working out too well for us either. Maybe order for bad isn't necessarily good. Maybe a little chaos is a good thing. Maybe that's what the Republican Party needs. Maybe that's what this country needs, a little chaos. Oh, it's still within the ordered functioning of Congress. I mean, well, they'll have votes. They'll figure it out. Like, they'll find a new speaker. Like, it'll, it'll all come together. This isn't chaos like, like, a, like, a, like a 
Quentin Tarantino movie or something. Like, like they'll like they're still voting and they voted him out and and they'll vote someone else and they'll meet and like that's still within the bounds of order. And then maybe whoever takes the job now will actually cut spending. This all feels very Tea Party 2010-esque, which I like. Right, so I think that's the Matt Gates perspective. If not now, when? Okay. And I think that the nuance of this is don't get all worried about, well, I don't know. I don't want to put this, I don't want to say this too early. But let me say it. I already halfway did. I don't think you need to get all worried about chaos. It's okay. It's, like, it's fine. It'll be okay. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, like, like running around with their hair on fire. Or this is foolish. Uh, There's a Ben Shapiro line here. Let me pull it up here. I think he just tweeted it out. Um, here it is. Americans favor Republicans over Democrats on the economy by the largest margin since 1991. Joe Biden is visibly crumbling as impeachment moves forward. So naturally, Republicans have decided to douse themselves with gasoline and light a match on fire while shouting, but the fights. So maybe there's a nuance where this, this is okay, but now's not the time. Now's not a good time for this, guys. We're winning. We're, 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 we've got an election coming up. We're way ahead of the game. We need to present a united front of strength and, and, and calm. And uh, we're adults. And the Republican Party is the solution. Vote for us. We have our, our act together. And this is not confidence instilling. There's that argument. One thing to keep in mind, an 866-95-PATRIOT, we're taking your phone calls here today. One thing to keep in mind, and we'll take your calls, is the job of Speaker of the House. And I think what I'm saying here is true. The job of the Speaker of the House is not to not to move. I think this is right. I don't think the job of the Speaker of the House is to move the Republican Party. I think the job of the Speaker of the House is to reflect the reality of the Republican Party that he is given. Does that make sense? How much, how much can the leader, the Speaker of the House really move the Republicans one way? Maybe into certain degrees here or there. But he's pretty much given what he's given. Like a football coach, right? A football coach, yeah, you can have a good football coach and a bad football coach, and you move the ball here and there. But really, you're given what you're given here. Like if your quarterback stinks and you have no quarterback, like what are you going to do? Like this is your quarterback. This is your kicker. Here's your lineman. You can do the best you can, but this kind of what you get. So the thing about this: 212 Republicans from 212 districts, and every single one of those falls on a spectrum of conservatism. You and I, I, I don't know about you, me, I, I'm, I'm way over here. I'm. I'm like, I'm, I'm as, like as far right as you can go, I think. But 14 of the Republicans are from districts that Joe Biden won. Joe Biden won. So they have to go back to their districts 
and convince people who voted for Joe Biden that they, the Republic, they as a Republican, are the right person to represent them in D.C. So they're naturally going to be much more moderate. Their constituents want them to be more moderate Republicans. I don't want them to be more moderate Republicans, but their constituents do. I don't live in that district in Minnesota or wherever. The people in that district in Minnesota do. So they wanted that guy to be more moderate, and he goes to D.C., and Kevin McCarthy has to appeal to him too. That guy's not my cup of tea, not my thing, not my choice, but he's not my choice. So it is what it is. So McCarthy, he's the leader of a very wide range of Republicans, and he's got to keep them all happy. So I want I want McCarthy, because I'm way over there, I want McCarthy to be way more on the right. But then there's these Republicans over here on the left of the Republican spectrum, and they're like, McCarthy, you're, you, don't, you can't go for the right because I got to go back to my district and win election every two years. You have to look out for me. You have to look out for the 14 of us over here. Because think about it this way. If Kevin McCarthy said, all right, everyone, uh, it's time to cut Social Security, whatever, right? as a metaphor for a far right thing, just go with it. I got to cut Social Security. And the far right uh, Republicans, uh, again, I use that as a term of endearment, uh, like that's me, say, great, beautiful, love it. Well done, Republican Party. Way to stick up for yourself. And the result of that is those 14 Republicans lose their next election. Now the Democrats have the majority and Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House again. So how's that for winning? <laughs> good, like good, good hardball, guys. And you may say, oh, well, there's no difference between Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi. There's got to be some difference between Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi. And then you get into this whole thing about how, well, are Republicans just, are they just better at complaining and not at governing, not at leading? Yeah, it looks like it. I, I don't, right? So my point of that is you and I can say he needs to be more conservative. And he'll say, yeah, guys, but if I play, if I go more conservative, then we're going to lose all these elections over here. And then Republicans won't have the majority at all. So my job as speaker isn't to push the party way to the right. I can go a little to the right, but I can't go way to the right. Because this is the team I'm given. These are, this is it. Uh, I'm giving these 212 Republicans. I, I can only play what I can play. There's only so many plays I can run with these people. So Matt Gates makes these points about all these things that Republicans need to be different about than Democrats. It's like, yeah, great, awesome. I agree with all those, Gates. That's a, those are wonderful arguments to make for winning elections in districts. So go to that moderate district and say, hey, that's why, don't vote, don't vote for this moderate, vote for this extremist Republican. Get the extremist to win, send him to D.C. Now I got different players on the field, and now we can do more conservative things. But don't blame me. He would say. All right, so that's the lay of the land. What do you think? 866-95-PATRIOT. 866-95-PATRIOT. Is this a good move? Do you support kicking Kevin McCarthy out of office? And then I will throw one more curveball your way. Uh, Let's go to Anthony, who's in Ohio. Kick off the show early in the morning. Let's do this. What's going on, Anthony? How are you? I'm doing all right. How what are do you, you make of this? Do you support this? 
Oh, 100%. And I think it comes from uh, that Sam Freed from FTX. Apparently, he gave a bunch of money to uh, McCarthy to go against America First um, uh, candidates in the last election. And uh, so he ends up with a slim majority, and then that slim majority threw him out of office. And I think he deserves exactly what he got. He wouldn't keep his word. Which word in particular? Well, I mean, he was supposed to go for impeachment. He was supposed to release the J6 videos. There were so many things that he wasn't supposed to fund Ukraine. There were so many things he agreed agreed to on that 15-ballot nightmare that went on. And then when it came down to it, he just played in the rhino swamp, and and the swamp drowned him. And I think it's beautiful. (laughs) Anthony, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go to Don, who's in. I look forward to, well, I'll tell you in a minute. We'll go to Don in Florida. Hey, Don, how are you? Hey, uh, good morning, brother. How are you? I'm doing really good. What do you make of this? Good. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in partial agreement that this, that this needed to happen and that Matt Gates is okay. But all Matt Gates really did was open up the floodgates to allow the Democrats to oust Kevin McCarthy. It took six Republicans to have to side with them in order for this to occur. Six or eight, I can't remember the number, but either way, is all he did was open that, open that up. Now, he can complain all he wants about Kevin McCarthy negotiating with Democrats about a spending bill, but then he technically sort of did the same thing here. And I, you know, I'm, of the, I'm of the opinion that I'd rather have a, a minority of conservatives in Congress who hold the line than a majority of Republicans who spend, legislate, uh, and negotiate like Democrats. And, and that's what we have. We have we have a Congress that spends just a little bit less than Nancy Pelosi's Democrats when they had the majority. Um, they still, you know, they 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 fail on a lot of things. You know, Kevin McCarthy was Speaker of the House. He wasn't, you know, a leader of these some of these committees. I mean, technically speaking, if you want to get in the weeds here, why did it? Why is it taking the Republicans three and a half years to to uh, have? Uh, Tony Bobolinsky come in and testify as to what he knew about Joe Biden's uh, business dealings when he was the chairman and representing the brand, right? This is the guy that came out, um, broke the laptops, didn't break the laptops first, but integral to it, and nothing from this guy. It, it, you know, he wants to really, he was supposed to release the January 6th tapes. Doesn't do that. Um, no spending on Ukraine. Uh, didn't, isn't going to be doing that. Funding uh, continuing resolutions. It sounds like that's going to occur. All they did was put a stopgap in for 45 days. None of this should have been occurring with conservative leadership. This is the kind of stuff we get when when Republicans are in leadership. What do you what do you make again, Don? What do you make of his argument? I think what his argument would be is, Don, I got to appeal to you and Slater and that guy from Ohio, but also the 14 Republicans who are in Joe Biden districts. And if I go too far, if I do all these things, then we're going to lose all those seats. And now we're going to be in the minority again. Well, what's the difference then between the Democrats and when Republicans are in charge? And that would be my argument back is again, I'd rather have a small minority of conservatives in there holding that line and building up that base and confidence in the American people than a bunch of Republicans in there acting like the Democrats. Yeah. Don, I appreciate the call. That's an interesting calculus because I think, thank you, Don. Uh, a lot of people would say that's not better. Well, that's interesting. What would you rather have? 
Republicans in the minority, but I guess talking a big game, or Republicans in the majority in control, but really not that different from Democrats. Now, those are two not good choices, right? Obviously, the best is to have Republicans in the majority and actually be different. Is that possible? Is that a real thing? And will this result in that? Will this whole will this whole thing like what's what what now? <laughs> are you gonna get someone are you really gonna get someone better in there? And I think that goes to your first point, Don. The Democrats voted for this. It's the Democrats who are loving this. Right? No question they're loving it. 866-95-Patriot. 866-95-Patriot. Uh let's take one call and we'll take a break. We'll get everyone uh, together here. We'll go to Jim who's in Virginia. What's going on, Jim? Yes, sir. I've just listened to a lot of ignorance. I just listened to a great amount of ignorance right here in the last two calls. For one Lay it on thing, me, Jim. All right. For one thing, Gates is a pile of crap. A whole bunch with him. Number two thing, they were presented with a bill with 30% in spending cuts to everything but defense. Matt Gates and that bunch voted against it, stopped it. The Republicans, like Tom Massey and others, had already, and McCarthy, had sat down with the Mike Lees, Rand Pauls, and others in order to use that bill for leverage against McConnell and Schumer to get some cuts. They wouldn't have got 30%, of course, but they would have got some. They screwed the pooch on that. And also, listening to Biggs yesterday get up there and holler about the border, he voted against that bill, which had border security in it. Now, I've listened to these people and listened to this crap. The reason they couldn't get 12 spending bills out was exactly because of those 12 moderate Republicans who were on the committees who screwed that up, too. This so, is the, where people do not pay attention, look into stuff, and actually talk to their congressman to find out what the hell's going on. So you think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but th- this is as good as the Republicans can do right now and just go with it. Just have your Kevin McCarthy, and he's, he's got to be better than Nancy Pelosi as speaker, and uh, just roll with, the, roll with what we got. What is going to happen now, the people that are on the Rules Committee that have allowed it and set it to where 500 amendments were able to get through the House that were never done before in the last 20 years will probably be took off those committees with the next speaker mm. and, the, and the others. They may change committees, may change committee chairman and everything else. You've got running delays. You're going to have more delays. You're going to have changes on committees. Everything good is now going to be fouled up, and you will get more spending on Jim, a Democrat and Republican style. Jim, appreciate it. 866-95-PATRIOT, 866-95-PATRIOT. That's the question. Will Listen, you can support getting rid of Kevin McCarthy. Okay, great. Now what? What's the next play, and do you think that the next speaker will be better? Because if not, was this a wise move? If you can get rid of Kevin McCarthy and you think the next speaker 
is like uh, like Deion Sanders to bring to go back to the football analogy. He's gonna come in. By the way, it's not a great analogy because he like, got crushed the last two games. But he's gonna come in and like magically transform the Republican Party governance and and how they rule in D.C. And it's just gonna be like this sweeping like Republican Renaissance in the next thirteen months. <laughs> so, th- so it's just th- oh, it's unbelievable. This huge right wing surge because this guy now is going to be the leader of the Republican Party. Do you think that's going to be the case? If so, then great. If not, then mm, what, was the, what was the point of all this then, I guess? I will take a break. Oh, oh I hit the, so the curveball is, uh, just to, just to uh, rattle the cages, the Speaker of the House does not have to be a member of Congress. So anyone in the United States of America could be Speaker of the House. And one congressman nominated... Uh, a guy by the name of Donald J. Trump, which will indeed go to a vote. And sources tell Hannity that Trump is, quote, open to the job. So if Trump wants it, which I don't know if he does, he's open to it, but he's, he, you know, he's a negotiator. He would never say no, right? He's keeping it open. If Trump wants it, it has to be his, right? <laughs> so now we're getting somewhere. Maybe later we'll ask, should Trump be the Speaker of the House? So just let your brain simmer on that one. <laughs> Can you imagine Trump up there? Bill O'Reilly about his new book, Killing the Witches, because there's nothing new under the sun. Full disclosure, the O'Reilly update, it's a 15-minute update, airs on hundreds of AM and FM stations across the country. One of the great honors of my life is doing the news intro for the O'Reilly update every day before Bill gives his message. And every single day, I imagine telling my dad, Hey dad, I, I gotta go. I gotta go do the O'Reilly update right now. I'll call, I'll call you back when I'm done. And just how proud my dad would be of that. It's like, it doesn't even make any sense. Bill O'Reilly has a new book out, part of the most popular nonfiction series, literally of all time. And his newest one is Killing the Witches. Bill O'Reilly, how are you doing, sir? Hey Mike, how are you? You do a great job uh, every day uh, delivering news to folks for us. And uh, we really appreciate it. It is an honor. Thank you, sir. Uh, before we get to the book, because I cannot wait to talk to you about this, I have to ask you about the news of the day, sir. Uh, do, uh, do you think this was a good move by Matt Gates, And what is next? Not for the Republican Party. I'm not a party guy, as you know. I mean, I'm registered independent. But the Republican Party um, took it on the chin. Sorry for the cliché. Uh, because of Gates and the seven other Republicans who uh, tossed McCarthy out yesterday. Uh, The Democrats showed discipline. They are far more cohesive party than the Republicans are. And uh, Americans got that message. So not one Democrat. You would think that maybe a conservative Democrat, what they call blue dog Democrat, might have said, look, McCarthy is doing a pretty good job. He's seeking consensus. Uh, We haven't shut down a government. Um, You know, let's give him more time. Not one. And the reason is that they fear 
the members of the House. They fear the Democratic leadership. Well, on the Republican side, there is no leadership. Who's the leader of the Republican Party, Mike? Everybody says Trump. Trump's not a Republican. He doesn't know the history of the Republican Party. He's a populist running on the Republican ticket. So um, Gates hurt his own party. That's probably as good analysis as I can give anybody today. Or is, was the party already hurt? And this is all a reflection of what is. Well, I don't, I'm not buying that because the Republicans are not responsible for the chaos that we have in America. That's 100% on the Democrats. Inflation, open border, don't punish criminals. All of that's coming out of the left-wing progressive precincts. Not, not the conservatives doing that. So, I, I, I mean, yeah. all I know is that, number one, McCarthy got a bad deal. And number two, this isn't going to be any kind of fundamental problem. Uh, I think Steve Scalise, the uh, congressman from Louisiana, will be the next speaker. Um, and then 13 months from now, Americans have to make a choice. Yeah. Uh, my last question on this, because I know a lot of our listeners are thinking, well, when will conservatives really take a stand and stop and, and you know, commit no more of these funding bills, no more of all this nonsense? And if not now, when? What do you say to that? I say that's pretty easy when they have a majority. So, I mean, the way our system works is if you don't have a majority in Congress and your party is in the executive branch, then you're not going to get your spending bill done. Simple as that. Biden didn't veto any spending bill that comes down a pike. He doesn't want, he wants to spend um, enormous amounts of money to buy votes. That's what the Democratic Party does. It buys votes. So Matt Gates can jump up and down as much as he wants and say, oh, we got to cut it in now. We got to stop now. He can't stop anything, Matt. You don't control the Senate or the presidency. Yep. So uh, it's, it's all hollow. That's enough day-to-day politics. Uh, I want to talk big picture stuff. I want to talk history and I want to talk about life because that's what your book is about. Um, this book is so important. I'm so glad you did this topic because, first of all, there's nothing new under the sun. Second, this is one of the greatest stories of human nature. And everyone needs to know this story more than the 10 minutes that we got in eighth grade about it. And third, we need to have a historical reference point other than World War II. Not everything is Hitler and Nazis in World War II, right? So I want (laughs) us to know more about Salem. Why did you choose this to be your topic? Because the witch hunt is there today. So I, I told one of Trump's guys, he uses the words witch hunt every day, Donald Trump does. It's a witch hunt against me. I said, can he just hold up killing the witches when he says that? <laughs> One just time. hold the book up. <laughs> All right, be very good publicity for us. So um, 1692, uh, hysteria in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, driven by insane clerics. But the techniques that they used are the same that are being used today. No due process. Any accusation is a conviction. 12-year-old girls, point-name adults, they came to me in the night. They wanted me to sign the devil's book. Then the next day, you're in a courtroom. Two weeks later, you got a rope around your neck. Insane, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, what's the cancel culture? What's that? It's any accusation, you're fired, you're, you can't come out of the house, your kids are uh, up, you know, uprooted, all of that on an accusation. And we give you examples. The first half of witches is about what happened in Salem. We begin on the Mayflower. And, Mike, you and I did not want to be on that boat. Comes oh, over from Plymouth, man. England. That was harrowing. Uh, and then they get here, and the Puritans just go nuts. Well, um, here in America today, the lack of due process being used by the far left to destroy its opponents, and it has taken root. And that's why I wrote Killing the Witches. How about being on the Mayflower, taking the journey across the ocean for two months, which is horrible. And then you get here and they, you have to stay on the boat because it's so cold. You, you got to stay on the boat until winter's over and people are dying all around you everywhere. The, the first time I really looked into Salem was in the beginning of COVID because the hysteria around COVID, no one really understood death like we used to in this country, like the people who lived during that Mayflower time. Imagine being on a boat for months when everyone's dying around you constantly. That's horrific. We have no reference for that in our brain. If you don't know the history of your country, it's going to hurt your life. Mm. So if you read all 13 Killing Books, the most successful nonfiction book series ever on this planet, you'll know your country. And yeah. Killing the Witches starts at the very, very beginning. And it's how the American people who fled Europe evolved into the most powerful people on Earth. And along the way, we have had bad things. Salem was a bad thing. And the cancel culture today, which is Salem, mm -hmm. is a terrible thing. So people need to know that and take it a little bit more seriously. Yes. Uh, the book is Killing Witches. Go buy it. Killing the Witches. Buy it right now. Um, you said this was driven by the radical clerics. Um, would one also say this was driven by a 12-year-old girl and people paying attention to the 12-year-old girl? Sure. That's the history of it. So uh, Anne Putnam, 12-year-old girl, bored out of her mind because kids uh, in Massachusetts Bay couldn't sing or dance or play or they couldn't do anything. All right, they had to be in church four hours on Wednesday, four hours on Sunday. I mean, it's a dreary, awful existence for children. So this girl, for whatever reason, started to accuse people of being witches because she had heard about witches. And then the adults said, okay, yeah, witches, let's go get them. <laughs> right. That's the thing. It's the How okay, yeah, which is, is a lot like the transgender stuff today, truly. Hey, I'm a boy. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Whatever, whatever it was, as far as the mentality, we are seeing it today. And, uh, you know, Americans, they have the power. See, in 13 months, we'll go and vote for a new president and uh, Congress and all that. But if Americans continue to, you know, vote on personality and vote on this and uh, I hate this one or I like, you know, and not really know the danger that faces them. And I, I use danger literally. 
you're not going to get hanged. But you could go bankrupt. You can't pay your bills. Biden doesn't know what he's doing. And that's absolutely true. So you got to figure it out. And the way to figure it out is to understand what happened in the past. Yep. Uh, Bill O'Reilly killing the witches. Goodbye now. Again, nothing new under the sun. So what I love about the Salem story is all the characters in it, they're all, they're all parallels to today. So I think the most common one would be the people who did nothing or who stood by and watched. What about those people? And there was a reason, Mike, because if you spoke up against the witches in Salem, and there were good people in Salem, the next day you were accused of being a witch. Yeah, that's it. So every day of my life I've been doing uh, national news analysis commentary now for about 27 years. Every day of my life I'm attacked. Every single day. And that's the price I pay for going up against certain elements that I feel are damaging the country. Most people are not willing to pay that price. But now we're reaching critical mass. So you've got to um, kind of summon the courage in your own communities, in your own school boards, and say enough. Because if you don't, then the country that you love and you've, you know, prospered in, I hope, is going to disappear. And that's not an overstatement. I'm not overstating this. We're at a crossroads in this country right now. Yeah, you're right. No longer can you just float by life and stay out of the limelight and stay out of the trouble. Because it's it's coming to you. A lot of people do it with the cell phones and all that, smartphones, um, and they create their own world. But those people are going to pay a heavy price if uh, this country continues to go in the direction that the progressives want to go in. Mm. What about the, uh, the people who were accused who said, well, some of them said, yeah, I am a witch. <laughs> like, I thought that, that was weird. Like the people who were accused all had different reactions. And there were some people who were like, yep, you got me. It was weird. Yeah, Did because you- that was the only way to save your life. Mm. The mm. only way to avoid the rope was to confess. And then the clerics would say, okay, um, they confessed and, and they are sorry, and so we're going to work with them to bring them back, whatever. But, of course, the confession legitimized the insane witch hunt. But, you know, put yourself in their position. If you confess, you live. If you don't confess, you die. And, and that, that's how harrowing this was. The only reason, Mike, that the Salem witch trials stopped, remember, 20 human beings hanged and more than 200 others awaiting in jail to be hanged, was because these loons in Salem accused the governor's wife of being a witch, <laughs> Mary Fitz. And the governor said, enough. Okay, William Phipps. He had the power to stop it. Yes. The fact that he didn't stop it before that is insane, but that's what we tell you about in Killing the Witches. Yeah, and that parallels to the people who do the groveling apologies on Twitter for being accused of something that maybe they didn't even do, but they still have to apologize to the forces that be. And it makes it worse for everyone. It emboldens the witch accusers. Uh, The last character, and then I got a, a question about my favorite book of yours because um, I want people to buy all of your books. Um, what about the person, I forget her name, it was early on, and her idea was, 
okay, we can we can find out. It was either we can find out who the witches are or or cure the witch witchery in people, the demon. If you eat urine cakes, so you have to make bread made out of the urine of, made with the urine of dogs, and if <laughs> if you eat it, then it'll expose your witchcraft or something like that. It's like, who is that yeah. person, and where is that today? Well, there was all kinds of madness, and I use that word literally, in yeah. Salem, Massachusetts. I mean, these people were nuts. And so every day they come up with some other test about, well, who's a witch and who isn't? Well, eat this stupid cake. Or, you know, <laughs> that particular thing that you're referring to came from a woman called Tituba, who was a slave imported into Massachusetts from Barbados. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. And she told, because she was in charge of two of the girls who uh, were the witch accusers, she told the story of this and, and the remedy and all of that. That's how these girls got this in their mind. Um, so, you know, that's why you read Killing the Witches. And, and I lay the history, as I always do, right out for everybody and it's an easy read it's a great halloween book with, with apologies to edgar Allan poe this is the best halloween book you're gonna get <laughs> <laughs> well that's real uh yeah that speaks to the importance of culture that this person brought in a cultural import from barbados of you know black right. magic witchery and and look look at the effect it had all right i'm talking bill o'reilly of course my favorite book bill of yours is uh the united states of trump and I want everyone to go buy and read it because there is no book, speaking of culture, that talks more about Donald Trump's family or tries to uh, than this one. And I think it is of the utmost importance that people understand Trump's childhood and his parents and grandparents and great grandparents. And no one even attempted to do that until you. And I'm so grateful for this book. Why, though? Well, I appreciate that. You know, uh, The United States of Trump is not a pro-Trump or an anti-Trump book. Um, it's a history book. And, you know, this guy did something that no one else has ever done. He came out of a world totally devoid of politics and became president of the United States. So how did he do it? And I take you step by step. After reading The United States of Trump, you will understand why Trump does what he does, both yes. the good and the bad. So they demonize Trump, and he is the top example of a witch hunt. There's no doubt about it. Now, he's done things that he should not have done. There's no question in my mind about that. But to use the power of the federal government and the state government to try to destroy him in cases that are flimsy, to say the least, shows you what a witch hunt really is. But Trump, the family, and, and his father, and all of that, if you want to understand why he does what he does, that is the book for you. By both of them. Do you think he thinks about his dad? Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, Trump, I've known him, as you know, for more than 30 years. I mean, he's very tuned into his upbringing, and, and, you know, look, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't analyze people. I just tell what I know to be true. Yeah. And, you know, Trump wanted to top his father. He wanted to be greater than his father. His father was successful uh, in New York, and Trump always wanted to be more. Uh, 
and that drove him. Why was he? Why is he so reluctant to talk about his childhood? Because he sees it as a, an intrusion. He he has an image, Trump, mm. and, and everything that he says is um, directed toward enhancing that image. So he's not. I mean, I talked to him about it, but he's not going to throw that stuff out to the public. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to get the book to to learn it. My last question for you, Bill. Uh, big picture. What has changed the most in politics in your years of covering it? I think the uh, level of hatred. Mm. So these people really hate each other. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump despise each other. Really? It's not even it's not a game. That's not part of the act. No, 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 no. <laughs> what is what does he hate about Nancy? What is the populist guy, pragmatic, pragmatic populist guy hate about someone who's, you know, ruthless in her own way? You think he res- would respect that? No, it's a case <laughs> by case on Trump when she ripped up his State of the Union address. Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> that, that was is, it. Is Trump's greatest virtue or that he expects out of people uh, loyalty? I don't know. I mean, I'm not in that business. That's a Bill Bennett book of virtues thing. <laughs> um, he wants you to be loyal. Obviously, most people do. Um, Trump, if you criticize him, he is not, he doesn't take criticism kindly. I can do it, by the way, Mike, but I do it in a very gentle, and I said, look, I'm going to give you some constructive criticism now. I don't give, I don't do it a lot, by the way. But if he asks me a question, I answer honestly. Yeah, no, no. But if I'm going to say something negative, I, I couch it. I said, you know, maybe you're not going to like this, but this is how I see it. Well, he needs people like that. But he does we not do. like to be criticized. We all do. All right, this, sure. this is my last question. I promise I'll let you go, Bill. Um, what right. is the next thing that you are looking for that if you saw happen in our country, you would say, ooh, ooh, that's, that's bad? Well, if Joe Biden's reelected, that's a game changer for the country. I don't know if the country can come back from that. Because of policy? That's how bad this man is. He's the second worst president of all time behind James Buchanan, one of the causes of the Civil War. Yeah. So that would be it. Killing the witches. The horror of Salem, Massachusetts. The latest in the killing series by the great Bill O'Reilly. Go buy it right now. Bill, appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much for everything. Okay, Mike, and thanks for helping us out every day and uh, continued success. Thank you, sir. Killing the Witches, Bill O'Reilly. Go by now and then by the United States of, uh, of Trump as well. It's so fun to read the uh, Bill books because it's, you hear Bill read it to you in your brain. <laughs> you, you can't. It's like an audio book that you're re- you are reading the audio book in your – you know what I mean? I know there's no other book like that. Maybe Alex. Alex's book is kind of like that too because you've heard Alex so much. But it's just you've heard Bill O'Reilly so much, and you know Bill, and Bill's so unique, or you just heard him. Like he is reading the book to you as you're reading it, which is an extra fun thing about it. But we need to know about Salem, Massachusetts, the hysteria of human nature, the, the depths, how, how low human beings can go with freaking out. We need to know that because right now we're nowhere near that depth. That's what's crazy about it. People, like, I try to make this point. We, I don't know how to make this well. Everyone's all in a tizzy. 
right? And even this speakership thing is an example of everyone all like, wow, like freaking chaos. Oh no. It's like, oh, 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 pace yourself. This can't be a nine or a 10 on your freak out scale. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? This has, if a 10 is total freak out, you have to be operating that this is like a two. We, you can't be operating at a nine or 10 right now because then when it really gets to a nine or a 10, you got nowhere to go. And there's not, it doesn't, you can't do it. Your brain, your heart, your soul can't handle what is to come. You're not right. Your, your RPMs are way too high right now because there's going to be a time when you need your RPMs to ramp up and you won't have it because you're spinning your gears right now. You're spinning your wheels. So you, we got to be operating at like a two or a three. Like it, it's serious. I'm not saying it's, it's like, Oh, like, don't even pay attention. No, it's no big deal. That's not what I mean. It's very serious what's happening. But we, it could, it's going to get way worse. Way, 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 way worse. COVID was a hint of what's to come. Just a hint. That's why it's so important to read these, these stories and Salem's, you know, ours. Uh, but also like, you know, the Soviet Union and just all these times. And But again, we got to broaden our, like go way back in history, go thousands of years in history. It's all, all the stuff's in the Bible too. These, these stories of, of people totally losing their minds, complete, again, COVID was nothing compared to totally, totally losing all just, and like just murdering people, <laughs> just slaughtering of other human beings because of it. We're not there yet. We're not. So we shouldn't be acting like we are, but we're on the road. No question about that. I'm American made. I got American parts. Got a busy show tomorrow. Tiffany Justice from Moms for Liberty is going to be here about Band Book Week, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. So I uh, can't wait to talk to her. And then Dr. Sebastian Gorka, you know he's going to have some thoughts on the uh, speakership and then uh, the great John Nolte, who I always love talking to. He's had some great articles recently and his wife has been uh, ill as well. He's been in the hospital a lot lately. Uh, so get some good life perspective from the great John Nolte as well. Great show tomorrow. Hope you can be there. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily, spread the word. And I want to apologize.